We started last week talking about the Lord's Supper and how important it is and what a, what a reverent time it is to be. <clears throat> and the Corinthians were causing, there was some division in the church over this. Some were coming in and eating all the food and the poor people had nothing. There were some who were drinking of the wine and getting drunk. And, and, and Paul says, you've lost sight of what this is all about, what this is really for. And in our passage this morning, beginning with verse 27 of chapter 11, Paul issues a warning. Begin reading with verse 27. You know what? Let's back up. I'm going to begin reading with verse 17. We're only going to cover this morning verses 27 through 34, but let's begin reading with verse 17. Paul says, But in the following instructions I do not commend you, because when you come together it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead and with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not, know, do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. <clears throat> in the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give directions when I come. So Paul here issues a warning in this passage, and uh, he, he warns that unless we examine ourselves before we come to the Lord's table, we risk <clears throat> coming under the judgment of God. Now, the word judgment here that Paul is using is better translated as the word uh, discipline, under the disciplining hand of God. Uh, we, we need to consider Paul's words with great care, but great care is not fear. Jesus has died for the sins of his people. That is why we remember, we come together and do this in remembrance of him, that he has died for us. We need not fear coming to the Lord, but we need to take great care with it. We, uh, because we all struggle with sin. Now, Paul is not concerned with whether or not 
we deserve to come to the Lord's table because, folks, let me tell you, none of us deserve to come to the Lord's table. It's not about deserving it. Um, <clears throat> it's a matter of whether we approach with indifference or an unrepentant heart. Uh, you know, if, if we are afflicted by sin, the suffers a comfort. But if, if we are comfortable with sin, then the suffer becomes an affliction. And Paul calls on us to examine ourselves to find evidence of a repentant heart, evidence that grace is at work in our life. Pastor Adrian Rogers used to say, and I, I never forgot this, he says, when God saved us, he didn't make it where we couldn't sin anymore. He just took all the fun out of it. We as believers, we come to Christ and, and we are sinners. But Jesus came and he gave his life for us. And Paul is saying, look, when you come to the supper, remember what this is about. Remember why you're doing this. We have come together to discern the Lord's body. <clears throat> and so uh, we examine ourselves not per for, for perfection because none of us are perfect. We do not judge for perfection, but for recognition of our need of Christ's perfection on our behalf. We come to remember not that we are worthy because we're not. But you see, it's not about whether we are worthy. It's about whether Christ is worthy. And he definitely is worthy. All right, so the Lord's Supper uh, had been instituted by the Lord himself as the ordinance of his body and blood as a sign of the unity of Christ's body, which is the church. We are to be united together. And when we, you know, there, there's nothing better than sitting down with a, at, a, at a meal with a group of friends or family. You know, you all sit around and you laugh and you talk and it's, it's a time of closeness. And, and Paul says, don't you understand when you come to the Lord's table, we as the body of Christ, we as believers, as the church, we are coming together in fellowship because we have something in common. And the things that we have in common are that we are sinners, but that Christ is a savior. And that Jesus has forgiven us our sins. So Paul makes a point that the supper can be properly celebrated only when we uh, understand its nature, which is Christ giving himself to us. And when we seek to build up the body, the church, by avoiding those things that cause division among us. In verse 27 Paul says, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Some who interpret Paul's words here to, as a warning to take the supper in an unworthy manner is that we need to understand that we don't deserve what Christ has done for us. 
We are not worthy to come into his presence. This is why he is the one that all of this points to. But, but this does not point to our current state of sanctification. All of us are in different stages of sanctification. Sanctification is a lifelong process. But that's not the case that he's saying here, because if that was true, none of us could ever come to the Lord's table. But although we are unworthy to partake because we are still sinful, nevertheless, we confess our sins before we come to the table. If you notice every time, every month when we have the Lord's Supper, I always point out before we take it, I have a moment of silence where we are called upon to, to go to the Lord and confess any, un, any unconfessed sin in our life to, to make sure that, that we do not come to the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. <clears throat> but here's the thing. Part of what the Corinthians were doing is they were causing divisions because some were eating, some were getting drunk, and then there were some who weren't having anything at all. The poor were doing without. And Paul says, you have no idea what you're doing. You have no idea what this is all about. And so we need to be sure that we are repentant when we come. And, and it's when we neglect to partake in faith that we sin against the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Over in Romans chapter 14, the last thing Paul says in that chapter, he says, But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because this eating is, done, is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Now let me ask you, when we come to the Lord's table, when we come to partake in the Lord's Supper, what is, what is your attitude? What is your mind? Do you come to this? Do you remember when you eat that little cracker? Do you remember the body of the Lord Jesus Christ that was hung on a cross for six hours that was broken for us? When we drink the, the, the little cup, do we remember the blood of Christ that was poured out on our behalf? That we have been bought with a price, Peter says, the precious blood of Christ. Do we remember this? And do I come and say, you know what, Lord, I, my, my life is filled with sin. But Lord, you have forgiven me. You have redeemed me, and by faith I do this. Paul, his warning uh, comes in the form of an exhortation for the Corinthians not to fall back in their old habits acquired during their years of, uh, of feasting in the pagan context. Now remember, the people in Corinth, Corinth was a sinful city. It had every vice you could think of in it. It was just like any other city that we know, but it was tenfold. And they would go to the pagan altars and they would go to the pagan temples where they had the temple prostitutes and where they would uh, offer food up to idols and partake of this. And Paul says, look, I know you came out of that. He said, but you've got to remember, this is not like that. This is not what we're doing here. Now, they would go to those temples and they would partake of those pagan feasts and they would get drunk and they would eat just as much as they wanted. They didn't care who got what. You remember, Paul's already pointed out that uh, as believers, one of the things that every decision that I make must be made with you in mind. Every decision I make as a husband should be done with my wife in mind. Every decision I make as a pastor should be done with you in mind. Every decision you make must be done with someone else in mind instead of ourselves. And that's what the cross teaches us. The cross teaches us to look away from ourselves and look to others. 
Is that not what Jesus showed us? When Jesus was taken and he was crucified on that cross, he could have come down anytime he wanted to. He could have stepped down from that cross and said, I'm not doing this for these ungrateful people. But he didn't do that. And by the way, Paul tells us that God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, you understand the significance of that? Jesus did not say... Okay, you show me a little gratitude, and then I'll save you. Jesus didn't say, okay, you come and apologize to me, or you come and ask my forgiveness, and then I'll save you. He didn't do that. He died for us in the state we were in, and he is our example. The Corinthians were, were, were going about partaking of the Lord's Supper in the, in the act of worship, but they were doing it very self-centeredly and very selfishly. And Paul says, this is not the example that we have from the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Those who partake of the supper, who do not believe the gospel, they mock Christ by coming to the table in their own righteousness. Anytime someone comes in here, anytime they come and they partake of the Lord's supper with us, if you do this unsaved, you are mocking Christ. You understand that? You, we mock him by it. And we say, you know what? I don't need Christ. I have my own good works. I have my own righteousness. I'm a good person. I don't do anybody any harm. Surely God will accept me. And God says, no, I won't. Not based on that. It is only in Christ that we are accepted. In verse 28, Paul says, let, let a person examine himself then. And so eat the bread and drink the cup. The proper manner of self-examination is spelled out in verse 29 when he says, For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. To partake in an unworthy manner, we must understand that it is received by faith, Christ's body, Christ's blood, and we must reject those sinful categories that seem to divide us. In, in Paul's day, in the, in the city of Corinth, and we still see it today, they were divided over race, over social standings, over wealth. And Paul says, don't you know that in Christ, there is no Jew or Gentile. There is no male or female. We are just all one in Christ. And so failure to discern Christ's body and his blood risks the judgment of God. And failure to discern, discern Christ's body and blood is, has serious consequences there in verse 30. This is why many of you are weak and ill, and some of you had died. Now, you understand how serious God takes this? I'm reminded of the sons of Aaron, uh, Nadab and Abihu. They were priests in the temple of God. And there they offered strange fire on the altar. They, they attempted to worship God in a way other than the way God had described. And you know what God did? He killed them instantly. I think of uh, Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts. It says that the, 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 the people in the church, the church was new. It was just beginning to grow. <clears throat> and people were going and selling their properties and selling this and bringing it to the church and giving it all to the church so that they could distribute it to those who were needy. They didn't have to do this. It was a voluntary thing. And Ananias and Sapphira, Ananias comes in and he talks to Peter. And he hands Peter some money and Peter says, is this how much you got for the property? And he says, yes, which was not true. 
he had actually gotten more. Now, notice the point here is, all Ananias had to say was, no, I got more, but this is what I want to give. And Peter would have said, okay, fine. But he didn't. He lied. And Peter says, you've not lied to me. You've lied to the Holy Spirit. You know who the Holy Spirit is, right? He's God. And you know what happened to Ananias? He fell dead right there. Later, his wife comes in, Sapphira, and, and Peter asks her the same question. She too lies. And he says, you know what? The, the men who just carried your husband to, the bear, to his grave are going to carry you. She died right then. The point is this. God takes worship seriously. And we must take it seriously. And partaking in the Lord's Supper is an act of worship, an act of public worship. As God's people, we must approach the Lord's table with humility and with repentance and with confidence that God truly invites and welcomes us as repentant sinners. Repentance, that's the key right there. We, we, none of us are perfect. We all have sin in our life. But am I repentant of my sin? Do I, uh, do I regret my sin? Do I, want, do I uh, hate the fact that my sin has caused dishonor to come upon Christ? Am I repentant? The, the repentant is the key there. And for here in this meal, it is here in this meal that Jesus confirms to us the promises of the gospel. While most illnesses have natural causes, in this case, some in Corinth, some they had become ill, they had died as a direct result of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Now, you think about this. We, we look at this and say, you know, well, that's kind of harsh for God to do that. I mean, really, death? But when we think about it, God sent His Son to this world to go to a cross and die for His people. Okay, right? Now, for six hours, Jesus hung on a cross. Now, listen, I, I've told you before, crucifixion was an extremely terrible way to die. It, the, the Romans didn't invent it, but they perfected it. God was in heaven looking at His Son as His Son cried out and said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Or as He cried out and said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you think it broke the heart of God to let His Son just stand there while He died? But it was God who sent Him to die. And when I come to the Lord's table to remember what Jesus did in an unworthy manner, in a flippant manner, and with apathy or unrepentant in my in my uh, unrepentant sin in my life, what I'm doing is I'm making a mockery of what God has done through Christ. I'm making a mockery of the crucifixion of Jesus. And the gravity of Paul's warning is also that we must examine ourselves before we come and eat, which we do in part through confession of sin and through accepting the declaration of pardon. Listen, we need to understand <clears throat> that all our good works are like filthy rags to God. There is no, the, the, Paul tells us in Romans, there is none good. There is none who seeks after God. 
All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But yet, I can stand here and tell you with the utmost confidence, I am accepted to God in Christ. And that's the only place I'm accepted. Through Christ, only in Christ I am forgiven. Only in Christ are we accepted. And when we come to the Lord's table, we, we not only confess our sin and say, Lord, thank you for what you did for me, but we also need to remember and say, Lord, thank you for what you continue to do in me. And this is, this is precisely Paul's points there in verses 31 and 32. He says, but if we judged ourselves truly, we will not be judged. But when we are judged of the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned with the world. God is going to one day judge this Christ-rejecting world. Jesus will come. He will be King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the judge of all the earth. And I want to tell you, when Jesus comes the next time, somebody has well said, Jesus came the first time to slay sin in men. But he will come the next time to slay men in sin. Jesus will come. And we need to make an examination of our life. And this should be a regular practice in our life. There must be times uh, daily or weekly that we as believers, we step back and we stop and we say, Lord, have I stepped away from the path? Am I walking according to your will? Am I walking in faith? Am I truly trusting in Christ alone to save me? We are saved by grace alone. Through faith alone, in Christ alone. And you all know what the end result of that is, right? To the glory of God alone. See, I will never stand before anybody in heaven. I won't come up to you and say, Tim, I am so glad I was a preacher and got to get to come to heaven. So I won't. <laughs> I'm not going to go to anybody and say, I am so glad I became such a good person so I could get into heaven. None of us will say that. That's right. We'll be on our faces before a holy God. And we need to acknowledge uh, each and every day. We need to acknowledge and confess that we're sinners and that we cannot come to the Lord's Supper through our own righteousness or because of our own good works. Rather, we come to this table as needy beggars seeking the great things that Christ has done for us. You know, that's what the gospel boils down to is that Jesus came and did for us what we could not do for ourselves. I can never be accepted to God. I had sinned against the holy God and I, had, I was under the sentence of death until Jesus came. And Jesus came to pay that penalty. And we are only accepted. Listen, you must get this in your mind. We are only accepted in Christ. In Christ. If I stand when that day comes that I stand before a holy God and he says to me, why should I let you into my heaven? I'm a good person is the wrong answer. 
I went to church is the wrong answer. I read my Bible is the wrong answer. I was a person of prayer is the wrong answer. I was good to my spouse. I was good to my neighbors is the wrong answer. There's only one answer. And the, 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 the cold word is this. Jesus. I'm here because of him. Lord, I, I don't deserve this, but I am in Christ, and he bore my penalty. And you know what the Father will say? Welcome. Welcome, my child. But it's all about Christ. You know, I, I don't think we understand the significance of who Jesus is. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Okay, but here's what I mean when I say I don't think we understand the significance of who Jesus is. As a pastor, I have had people tell me many times, you know, if my husband's not in heaven, it just won't be heaven to me. If my wife's not in heaven, it just won't be heaven to me. I had a lady tell me one time, she says, if my dogs are not there, it's just not going to be heaven to me. Folks, I want to tell you something. When you stand before Jesus Christ, nothing and no one will matter but him. No one but him. It will be his feet that we fall at and thank him for eternity for what he's done for us. We won't. Listen, I'm going to tell you now. Hear me. I can bear this out with the Bible. You won't care who else is there or not there but him. That's what Christ and who Christ is. <clears throat> we are only accepted in Christ. And this is why confession and declaration of pardon from, from uh, sin should precede the celebration of the supper. And you know that's what this is. This is a celebration in remembering what Christ has done. God judges us, Paul says, in order to discipline us as any loving father would. You show me a parent that does not discipline their children, and I'll show you, according to the Bible, a parent that hates their children. God loves his children. The writer to the Hebrews tells us, he says, look, if God doesn't discipline you, that's because you're not his. But God disciplines those whom he loves, and God will discipline us so that we will not be judged with this unbelieving world. We are called to be different. You know, when my kids were growing up, I disciplined them. And there were times that they would say to me, well, all my friends are doing this, or all my friends are going there. I guess every kid, that must be a universal thing for kids to say. But I remember telling one of my kids one time, I says, but here's the difference. You're mine. And what you do, what you say, how you live reflects on me. And that's exactly what God says. He says, you are mine. And how the world sees God is through us. And so Paul says we will be disciplined if we, uh, so that we will not be judged with this unbelieving world. And finally, in verse 33 and 34, he says, So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone's hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, <coughs> it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give directions when I come. 
In these verses, we come to the conclusion of the problem set forth all the way back in verse 21, when Paul says, for in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal, one goes hungry, and another gets drunk. Some were not waiting. They ate everything before others had a chance to eat. Some were getting drunk and acting rudely. And Paul says, this is not the behavior of the body of Christ. That may be the behavior of those down here at the pagan temple. That may be the, the, the behavior of that lost person across the street. But Paul says that is not the behavior of a person who claims to be a child of the living God who has been redeemed by Jesus Christ. The purpose of the Lord's Supper is not to satisfy physical hunger. It's a spiritual meal to satisfy a spiritual hunger. And the Lord's Supper is an act of public worship. It's an act of worship. And that's why we must learn to take it seriously. The blessings of the Lord's Supper are great. The same Jesus who gave himself for us on the cross gives himself to us through the elements of the Supper. And the warning that Paul gives is something that you and I must consider. It's something we must take serious. You know... Next Sunday is the first Sunday of the month. Yeah, next Sunday, we're going to come together at the Lord's table. And I hope and pray that last week's message and this message, uh, it, it's, it's stuck in our minds and our hearts, and we come together and we say, Lord, teach us to worship you in spirit and in truth. Let me come and remember what Christ has done. Don't let me do it mindlessly. You know, let me ask you a question. Don't answer me. Just let me ask you a question. The last time we did this, how many of you ate the cracker and, and thought about Jesus? How many of you took a, of the juice and thought about Christ? How many of us have some kind of unforgiveness or bitterness in our, our hearts towards somebody else and come to this and, and realizing that Jesus said that we are to forgive because he has forgiven we have to be self-examining ourselves. It's so important. It's so dangerous to come to the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. Let's pray. Father, oh God, we come this morning just praising you, Father, for the fact that while we were dead in our trespass and sins, you sent Jesus to be our Savior. We thank you that you have chosen your own before the foundation of the world. Father, we thank you for the privilege of coming to your table to remember the broken body and the poured out blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, teach us to examine ourselves so that we'll not be judged with an unbelieving world but that we might recognize that we are your children and we need to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. Father, thank you because we cannot do this on our own. We are totally incapable of doing anything to be accepted by you. But it's what Jesus came to do. That our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself 
on the cross, Father, and gives himself to us each time that we come together at the table. Lord, forgive us for how we've come in an unworthy manner. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for Jesus, for it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's turn.